I know there's a lot of things new and Natasha was kind of filling me in with, um, you were kind of accelerating on the coaching realm. Actually, actually quite the opposite here. Like, okay. like that, like this is what's happening, right? Like, like last time we were going into coaching, like we we're talking about getting into the coaching and stuff like that. And I've actually, yeah. uh, I, I, I done a whole different turn. I mean, and, uh, in a, in a good way, right. Cause good. look, I'll tell you what happened with the coaching part, right? Like it's one of those things. And, and I got a learning lesson out of this, so it's good. Um, but yeah, the coaching for me was, a, you know, one major fail. Um, and not to say that I would have failed if I kept going. Um, and I could have failed, especially after what I've learned. Like one of the things I've learned is that too many times we try to, sell things based on helping people be successful. But what I've discovered is people don't want to be successful. They just don't want to fail. So, mm. how, you know what I mean? So had I focused on teaching them, how, you know, my whole message based on how not to fail, I probably yeah. would have been better off with that. Not to okay. say that I don't have any coaching clients. I still have coaching clients, but it's yeah. not enough for them to make it, uh, make it something like, it's not worth mentioning for a lack of better description, right? Right? I yeah. mean, like two, three clients kind of thing is sort of like, it's not really a business. That's sort of the, you know, an extension of help. That's the way I yeah. look at it. Yeah. Right. So, and that's fine. Right. Cause I mean, I found bigger passions through this adventure. Yeah. And, and it's kind of cool that you, you pulled out that factoid of it. Cause when I was in coaching, like baseball coaching, um, I would ask all of my athletes, not maybe not in like a, a formal setting, but I'd always give them a question do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Because they're two different sides of the same coin, but it definitely tells me what headspace you're in, like where you are at in terms of your competitive nature. Like, do you do things because you don't want, you don't want to, to have the absence of, of the win because you're, you're just striving for the win so much? Or are you out there just protecting? Like, are you just straight, I just don't want to lose this thing? So I'm going to keep up my part. And it's it's both in the same vein of trying to win, but someone is more of a protector and someone's more of an attacker. Um, yes. And it does, when you find out where where their mind is or what glasses they have on, I'll say it that, what glasses they're looking at the world through, you can definitely push them in different ways because you're not going to coach an attacker the same as a defender. Like they're two different positions and it's two different mindsets. And you got to find out what mindset they're in to be able to push them the most productive way that I would see fit. I don't have all of the answers, but as, as what I know and what I've gathered through coaching, I feel like I can push this guy more because I know he's a, a defensive minded person or an, an attacking type of person. So exactly. In the business world, it's the same way. Some people, they love the thought of having their own business, but when they get into it, they're like, I just don't want this thing to fail where some people start it and they're like, I'm just going to shoot for everything and we're going to go for it. And it's kind of like a, a little bit of, um, I've got ignorance, like ignorance is bliss where you're just like, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm going to push and just go. And those people respond differently. So it's funny that you brought that up because that was a big thing for me too. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's one thing I've learned, right? And you you nailed something here about the whole business part, right? And this is one one of the biggest and most fundamental problems that I come across through trying all this is that most realtors or mortgage brokers do not realize that they are a business. They are still working in the job mindset, like they have a job, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and reality is, yes, Going out there and showing people homes 
is a job, but you're much more than just a door opener. Yeah, you have a business, and as more more, the more you look at it as this is a business, the more you operate as a business, and the more chance of success you have working yeah. that way. Yeah. Right. So, and again, let's be clear. If somebody calls me and they want coaching, I'm not saying no. Right. I mean, I still will. I'm just not focusing on it. Yeah. You know, like, so you have to want my help to help. I'm not going to reach out to you and chase you. Yeah. Right. So, and, that, and that's what it comes down to. But, but where I've shifted, and it's funny because this is a great time to talk, is I'm in the middle of a brand redevelopment for my agent, like for the agent side. Right. I am uh, like, like last time we talked, 70% of my business was agent to agent referral. It might even been 60% and went up from there, right? So it was like 70 to 75% was agent to agent referral. I did not market to the general public and I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, we're experiencing slower times. For the most part, that business is dead. And because what's happening is people are slowing down, people are getting scared. So now they're doing things they said they would never do. Mm-hmm. Prime example, like I'll have one one uh, referral. He was one of my bigger referrals, and he's actually become a good friend. But his statement was, I will never step one foot past Burlington. All of a sudden, oh, I'm in the Niagara region. You, you're around? What up? Oh, oh, okay. You out with your family? No. Yeah. Oh, well, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm showing clients uh, homes. What happened to I won't step past Burlington? Right. Like, or saying, or or, uh, another one, you know, that another client, same thing. I won't go past Burlington. I don't do Hamilton. I don't, if I don't know the area, I don't show homes. Oh, okay. I'm in Waterdown. I got a listing. You do? Well, Waterdown is part of Hamilton. What what happened? Again, slower times, things aren't as busy. Mortgages are still due. All of a sudden, the stuff they would never do before, now all Mm -hmm. of a sudden they have the time for. Yeah. And in some circumstances, like necessity is necessity. And if you got to pay bills, you got to pay bills. But yeah. in as much as you can hold true to what your brand is, because uh, I think it was Warren Buffett. He he talked about the stock market and he always buys when it's down because then you're you're due for a big, uh, I guess, payday on the other side of it. And with the market being cyclical, if you can stick to what you know and you can. I mean, there's a long term play in that, too, because if I can if I can focus in on one niche market, that is my that's my territory. I only do business in that territory. If through this whole downturn, I focus still in that area, people are going to move into that area again. Now I have all that information that I just gathered from my area that I am the expert in that area. I didn't travel to, like you were saying, Burlington to pick up one that I don't really know the market anyways. And now that just took up, I don't know, two months of my headspace. I just lost two months of traction in the territory that I'm going to go in anyways. And now I'm not as the expert as I should have been with two more months of focus in that area. So it's uh, it's definitely like it. if it's a necessity, obviously need to feed your family, need to pay your bills. But yeah, if you can stay focused in on your area and not give way because everything is is seeming to crash around you, but um, yeah, it'll pay off. It will. Exactly. So with that being said, I thought if I sit around waiting for the referrals, I mean, I just gave you two examples of the many that I had. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is starting to follow suit too. Not to say that I won't ever get another agent referral, but yeah. it seems to be this seems to be the pattern. So rather waiting for me, waiting around, hoping I don't crash myself, I thought, what was my other strength? My other yeah. strength was investors, right? 
that that the other out of the 30% that I had remaining 25% of it was investors. So and mm -hmm. end, end clients is only about 5% of my business. So I'm not really gaining or losing much with them. Um, but I thought, you know what, in 2022, with all the bidding wars and everything that happened, I was basically dying from agent referrals couldn't close their deals because yeah, you know, just I mean, you put there. in like 15 deals and all of them would get climbed. Yeah. And that's my point. Then they would, they would, half of them would quit. The other half would uh, blame the realtor, go to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, then all of a sudden they would do what you told them to do. So you told them you were wrong, but when the other person said to do it, they were right. Um, and, and again, that's just part of the fact, right? You know, prime mm -hmm. example, one person who told him you need to come in at 980. No, no, we're not comfortable. We can't afford that. Blah, 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 blah. We can only do 850 at most 860 if you have to. Well, lo and behold, when they, uh, you know, basically we moved apart. The next person they work with, they got home three doors down from where we were, for and they paid nine eighty four. Hmm. So all of a sudden now they can afford it. So yeah. when I said it, I was wrong, but that's okay. You know what? It is what it is. I'm happy for them. But the point yeah. is that I went through that rut with them. But what was strong? My investors. My investors stayed strong, and and I kept going with that. And and I thought about that, and I said, you know what? I have a knack for this. I understand cap rates. I understand a return on investments. I understand, you know, net operating income. I understand this stuff. And I understand the value of multifamily. Mm -hmm. So why aren't I capitalizing on this? Not everybody knows this. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm think, good at it. Yeah. And you're, you're not really changing your pivoting like industries. You're going to find out, I'm sure, working with a lot of the investors, you're going to get touches on those agents that you had talked to or, or are in the same market because a lot of the investors work through agents because I'm yes. guessing these investors aren't in your area. So if these investors are out of the country or, or out of your territory, they're going to, when they buy a house in your territory, they have to use the agent. Well, I mean, they don't have to, but most of them will use an agent because they're the boots on the ground. Yeah, so you're still exactly. going to get touches with those agents. So it'll still come back around. They're still closely connected. Absolutely. But this is the point. It was a way for me to expand on what I'm already doing well at. Yep. So, and I thought about it. So, you know, everyone uses their name, Papaloni team, uh, Bob team, um, uh, Jeff Smith's team. Right. And I said, that yeah. has no meaning, no value. Right. Like it's just, uh, it's just basically somebody glorifying their ego, which I was doing yeah. as well. I'm not going to lie. Cause I started Papaloni team. Right. And I said, mm -hmm. no, no, scrap this, forget this. What do I focus on investors? My podcast, like my second podcast, I split my original from where, cause it was kind of like one minute I'm talking marketing and next minute I'm talking uh, entrepreneurship Then I'm into real estate. And then I so saw I'm sold over the place. It was confusing me. So I split yeah. and I called that the investors outlook podcast, right? Cause I was focusing on uh, real estate investing. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about it and said, you know what? I'm going to follow suit. I've got a good following with the podcast. I have a lot of following with investors now that are starting to find me online listening and they're adding me and following me and messaging me. And I said, you know what? So my my team name is now the Investors Outlook Group. Nice. And that's how I got into that. Now I have two other businesses as well because I'm recording. Look, I have the fancy equipment as we talked about. Yeah. I've been helping other realtors as well record their podcasts and record their stuff. And you know what I do is I record their podcast, you know, whether 30 minutes to an hour, then I take four to six clips for them to use on Instagram, social media, and whatever. So it's, you know, and I help them create their own content there. So I'm creating that media yeah. business. So it's not that I just bought the equipment for me because I spent a lot. My equipment uh, yeah. is probably about $30,000 when you calculate yeah. all of them. And I mean, that that goes into your your past. Like you started in radio. 
Yeah. So that's like your niche. Yeah. So I figured it's, it's an added bonus. Now, obviously, my business is the, prim- the primary business. Everything else is added bonus, added service of way I can, you know, people can utilize me and help them. Yeah. Right. So and so with that being said, so there was that. But now going back to the investors, because I'm an investor as well. So why not create joint ventures and have people, because there's a lot of people want to invest in real estate. And especially in this market with interest rates going up to six and a half percent, there's a lot of people who can't get in the approvals. I mean, even in commercial, even though commercial is not based on income and it's not based on you, it's based on the property. Let's be honest. The person has, oh, you know, what investment background do you have? Oh, I own my house. Well, that's not an investment. But besides that, what else do you have? Well, that's it. So you own your own house. Yes. Um, have you have how many homes have you bought? One, mm-hmm. right? So this is the first home. Yes, and yeah. you want a loan that is going to be for a six or eight or nine or twelve plex, you know, yeah. with a value of two, three, four million dollars. Yes. Yeah. What do you know about uh, like what do you know about managing property? I can learn. You know damn well they're not getting that loan. Yeah. Right? The banks so, will not loan on. I will <laughs> learn how to do it. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So I, again, so and you have to think about it this way. Like if, if you were talking to me or you and we were the bank yeah. and someone came asked us, or we were asking the listener of this show and they had the money and we're like, don't worry, give us $2 million. We'll figure it out. You wouldn't give us $2 million. So you can't really fault the banks for not lending on it. Like that is a safe practice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's my point, right? So I'm offering an opportunity where people, if they say, well, I've got 50 to 100 grand, I just don't qualify for anything on my own. No yeah. problem. Invest it with Papaloni Capital. Yeah. And I can qualify. I can work together. So it's like a joint venture together. You're yep. investing with me. I'll find a deal for myself and you can get in on my deal. Yeah. And then and at that point. In, and that's a super cool, like syndications are, are an awesome vehicle for people starting because like you brought up, you don't have the background. So in terms of X's and O's or executing property management, you're behind the game. You don't have the funds, so you're behind the game, but that's not an obstacle for you not to get in. You syndicate with people like you and other people that do that. You'll get their their financial background. You'll get their knowledge in the field of managing properties. Yes, you're gonna take a lower cut of your money, but you also put no money in. Yeah. You're, it's a benefit that you're getting money. So just take the small money, and then as you get the knowledge, then you can, I mean, maybe you go into another syndication for your second one and maybe your third one, you feel comfortable going solo, or maybe you do five syndications before you go solo. It's all good. You're not putting your money in or most of your money in and you're gaining all of the, the secondary and tertiary like uh, benefits of the team that you just joined on to. Right. And what about even the fact that even if you have a little bit of money in there, right? Like I said, you got a hundred grand, you invest it with me. Now, what about this? Now you go to the bank and say, okay, what experience do you have? Oh, yep. um, well, yeah, I've got, uh, I've been involved in uh, six different properties. Oh, really? Way different conversation with the bank. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's my point. So that changes everything. So, that's and awesome. all of a sudden you're in consideration. That's awesome. And you're getting these investors through uh, your coaching. Is that like, do you bring people onto the show and then you talk with them? And then obviously you guys have a a like-minded 
um, and the same goal, and then you guys join the team, or how do you got how do you search out these investors? To be honest, it's uh, been a lot of networking. I've been talking to people of what I want to do, and I've and, and this is how I came up with the idea, is that um, I'll be talking to people, and all of a sudden, like, how do I get involved? And I'm like, what? And, and, and that happened a few times, and I'm like, okay, well, people are interested in this, yeah. right? So I'm like sitting there going. And at first I read it off, wrote it off and going, no, I don't want partners. I can do this on my own. I don't need you. Yeah. Right? And then I thought, you know what? I can get so much bigger with A, more capital mm-hmm. and B, more people involved. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what? I've been practicing for years telling people that single family homes are a waste of money and the stupidest thing you can buy. And then here I am, look behind me. I'm in a single family home. I'm like the biggest hypocrite. You know, like, so, and this might surprise you and it might not surprise you because you kind of got to know me a bit now. I have all my stuff. Everything was for sale. I'm selling off everything, sold everything. This is the only thing left. The house I live in is gone. It's going to be gone the minute it's, you know, I get that offer. And uh, I'm doing what I preach. I'm going to invest in many multifamily properties when I have enough of them that give me enough capital or enough income, should I say, cash flow that I can use the cash flow to be able to purchase the single family home and I can live for free. Then I'll buy back the single family home. In the meantime, all my investments, all my money is going to go into uh, investment properties and I'll uh, either rent at a lower price or I'll uh, for a little stay with my sister or something. But yeah, uh, yeah so I'm, I'm no longer going to own my own property or at least not the one that I live in. Yeah. Right. So yeah. And <clears throat> to take the lumps like that, I know that I live with my mom when I started my real estate career and then from there, I moved into, um, in the town I was living in, I just put a Google search, cheapest apartment. And yeah. the first one popped up. I drove over, I knocked on the manager's door and I was like, Hey, I am, I'm trying to start fresh. Cause obviously my life had taken a turn. I just need a spot. I need to go on my own. I don't need to see the apartment. I want on the first floor. Do you have any first floor available? And he's like, yep, we've got one. And I was like, great. I'll sign the paperwork. Like, I don't need to see the unit. I don't plan to stay here long-term. I'm just doing this as a necessity to get to where I want to go. And then I sat, I rented, which again, not the philosophy of investor is renting. Like you should want to own. But for that time period, paying $700, which was less than what I could. I mean, that's the money I had. I could then take the remaining money and buy my first rental. So I had a rental before I even owned a property. And then I bought a another flip house. And then I bought what is my current house at an auction. But all of that was done because I, I sat back. And I was like, I'm going to live dirt cheap, like nothing, just to get my rentals going. And then once that starts picking up, then I'm going to feel good to buy. So like exactly the stage that you're going in right now. It's like a, a good, healthy reset for you to like excel yourself into the future. Exactly. Right. And that's exactly what I was thinking. Right. So it's time to live, practice what I preach and not just mm-hmm. preach it. And so that's my point. So between people asking me to join in, um, between me analyzing my own life, I started thinking I can turn something bigger there. Look, let's be honest. As a real estate agent, there's only so far you can grow. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I hate to say it this way, right? Cause I mean, yeah, you can make that million dollars a year, but a million dollars today is broke. So, and how do you expand? 
The fact that I got the realtor's license, the fact that I got the network gives me an upper edge over somebody. I go to the bank and turn around and say, I've been in the real estate business for seven years and counting. I've helped you know, thousands of investors get their own place. I've helped them manage their property. So I have management experiences there as well. I've leased them out, rented them out. I have extensive market knowledge. I've already got the upper hand there. The fact that I'm licensed, the fact that I have that experience, and the fact that I can now say I'm doing it on my own as well. So mm -hmm. I've gained that upper edge and I've done it in half the time and half the effort that someone new is going to do it. Yeah. And I'm not, 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 not as a bragging thing. I'm not like trying to impress anybody with that remark, but impress upon the fact that anyone who's got a goal and a desire and has the real drive to do it can find a way to do it. They can create resources. You have to be resourceful, yeah. not, uh, you're not, 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 not looking for some, you know, you're not looking for a resource. You're looking to be resourceful and yeah. that's one way to do it. Right. I mean, yeah. everyone talks about how house hacking, but I think I just described an easy way to do that. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that's my point. So then my other way is I got a network of investors through my real estate business. So that's the other way I'm attracting um, through the podcast, through the network. I'm going to have some uh, seminar events where I'm going to invite people. I'm going to have the events in person. So I'm going to have uh, the VIP qualified in person. Those who don't who can't show up in person or are unsure, they can get the Zoom link and watch it live from their Zoom. And so I'm plenty of opportunities. Then they can reach out and yeah. uh, and and we can go from there. So there's lots of space. There's lots of room in the space. Yeah. And I definitely have the opportunities out there. And especially being the realtor, I'm going to see the opportunities. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And in. in uh, just to go back on what something you said with the agent making a million dollars a year, that is one thing that <clears throat> I knew I was going to get my agent license just because you're going to gain knowledge. So I got my agent license, not for money. Um, yes, being an agent and helping people out is, is a great, and that's like a very fun secondary career. My focus is my rentals because if I made, 50,000 a year on my agent side next year. What am I going to make? I have no idea. It's up in the air. I don't know how many clients am I going to have? How many calls am I going to make? How many leads am I going to generate? I don't know my rentals. I know how many rentals I have. I know what it makes a year. I know what I have to pay a year. I know what I'm going to make on that next year. So that's set. So I'm putting all my eggs in where I can make consistent money. The agent stuff. That's great. But like you said, a million dollars one year is not a million dollars every year. That's the same effort. That's the same hours. That's the same headaches. That's the same late nights every single year to make that million. With me being a single dad with a kid, that's a lifestyle I cannot live. I just don't have it in me. So I, I can't focus there. I love it, but I can't focus it. So I focus on these the rentals, the long-term uh, residual incomes. Exactly. Right. And, yeah. and that's the thing with the license. Again, the, the license to me is the opportunities. I will see the opportunity, yeah. be involved in the opportunities. And it yeah. gives me that leverage when I go to the bank for the uh, loan. Right. Yeah. So that's one of the things, right? Like I learned that part with the banking part uh, from uh, my mortgage broker. Cause uh, I remember, I think I told you the last time I had take a, it took a 90 day hiatus from uh, having my license when I bought the place I'm in right now. Mm. And I never saw so, uh, so much of a headache before, right? I remember like I had so much trouble. I actually, like my mortgage broker is actually one of my close friends, right? Like, and uh, I remember it was the day before closing, I was yelling at him 
And really? uh, oh yeah, literally top yelling. I trust me, if he was in front of me, I would have been throwing things at him. Like that's how angry I got. And uh, he said something to me. He goes, and I said to him, I go, why haven't I seen that? Like, I go, the problem must be you because I've never had this before and I've dealt with you before. I don't know why this time's a problem, right? And he says, uh, you didn't have that problem before because you were licensed. So you bypassed a lot of the checks because you were already prevented. Oh. oh, I did not know that. So I didn't realize that. So when I've done things since I've been licensed, he was right. I haven't had half the headaches. Not to say that there isn't headaches and banks are going to do their due diligence. We know that. And I don't yeah. blame them for doing their due diligence. Me showing up and saying, I need a million dollar loan for this $2 million property. And because uh, I'm John Papaloni, isn't going to be enough for them to just say, oh, yeah, let me write the check since you said that. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to do the due diligence. But the headache, uh, the extra headache disappeared once I, yeah. I was back to being licensed. Yeah. So and, and that was interesting. I, I, I didn't realize and now, which makes me pity my, uh, you know, investors and all my clients, because the headache that I'm talking about, they don't avoid. I just didn't know it existed before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and there's like two sides to it because, yep, it'll help you with lending. But what I've realized, too, is the the other side of that is you are now held to a higher standard. So, yes, you get to go by those those headache issues. But you get to go past those because the bank is now saying, I mean, basically, you know better, like, you know what you should and shouldn't do. And you're legally bound to that. So if we give you this, I guess, easy pass or or, or easier way through less headaches, like, you can't screw us over because you're legally bound to know the difference between what you're doing. So there's more of a legality there. So as I'm going through and in, in buying properties on my own, even though I'm not using my license, when I buy my own properties, I don't put myself on it because it wouldn't make sense to pay me commission for a property I'm going to fix up. I'd rather just keep it in the company. So I'm still held to the same standard because me as a person, I'm still licensed, even though I'm not using it. So there's a good and a bad to it, just like the general contracting uh, license. Like I could go in and do a lot more repairs without my license because I'm not held to the the professional standard that I need to be held at. So you need to check all the boxes. You can't yes. just do it because like, ah, don't worry, they won't catch it. Because if they do catch it, I'm screwed long term. So absolutely, right? Like, look, I can't have a bankruptcy and still keep my license. Yeah. Right. So I, and I'm not saying that there's no exceptions. There's, there are exceptions. But if you're going out there and getting these loans and then you go bankrupt and then say, I want to keep my license. Uh, you got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? so it's not just like there's no free pass here. Yeah, right? so you're right. It's that and it's that next level, you know, uh, yep. uh, of expectations as a result. Yeah, and those are like the little nuances you find. Like when I'm watching when I'm watching a sport that I don't know the rules on, like you don't lose you lose those nuances, those little little details that you know as you're in the in the sport or training for it or reading or researching. You just don't get the nuances. And those are one of the nuances that you're not going to get unless you experience it. Or listen yeah, to people exactly. who have experienced it are telling you this is probably what's down the road for you. I agree with you. <clears throat> so where are you, where are you looking to invest with all these, with uh, the new group and in your syndication model? Do you have like a niche area that you guys are all looking in? Or are you guys open to best financial situation and we'll make it work? 
Well, that's the thing, right? It all depends on who wants to invest with me, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to look at the majority of people want to invest is going to be where I'm going to look at. Um, This is going to sound odd. Well, this is not going to sound odd. I was in Miami in the summer and I was very intrigued by it. Uh, I mean, I was actually in Doral, which is next to Miami, but you would know that. Um, It's one of those things that I I was considering Naples. I was considering Miami. um, So I was considering that. And one of the things like one of my requirements is, and one of the reasons I don't like investing in my own backyard is rent control. Um, It's a a major problem in Ontario, Uh, especially when the pandemic hit. Like they kept making the, it got to the point like they made the rules so tight and stringent to, to to the point that the renter can almost do anything and the landlord has no power whatsoever. Um, it's and that's all through Canada, not just the territory. It's it's tenant friendly wherever you're at. Yeah, all through Ontario. I don't know outside oh, okay. of Ontario. I I, yeah. I mean I can't speak, so that's why I'm not saying it's all Canada. Okay. I know Ontario. It's very hard. Gotcha. And um. It's one of those things that, it, now here, I'll give you an example of what happened. It got so tight, so you had a lot of investors that are saying, you know what, appreciation is a lot higher now than it usually is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave my place empty because I'm okay with just getting appreciation better than uh, having the uh, renter in there, destroying the place, yeah, and then, uh, not even being able to kick them out, and uh, then having all these repairs to make, and then I'm yeah. going to get stuck with them and have all these problems. I'll just take the appreciation and leave it empty because then when I sell it in five years, I'll sell it and it'll look brand new as a as the way I bought it. Yep. Now our government caught on to that. And uh like everywhere else in the world, we were having uh housing uh, uh issues, um, both in rents and purchases. And it was a major issue where people couldn't find homes. You had people homeless, not because they couldn't afford it, because they couldn't find a place. Yeah. And um, so government decided they're gonna crack it down on that too. So they introduced, they introduced taxes, vacant, uh, vacant taxes. So basically, if your home is vacant for six months or longer, you're now going to pay a fine. And with that fine, you look at that and saying, okay, well, if typical appreciation, just say, I'm going to give you a fake number, just to give you an example, is uh, fifteen thousand, and our uh, tax is fifteen thousand. So now I have a place that made no money. So now all of a sudden, well, you want to make money, you need the renter. Yeah. Right? So now they're kind of, they're almost sort of uh, blackmailing you to take the renter. Yeah. So it's, and and you look at that and you say, okay, you're making it harder and harder and harder for uh, investors. And then they're selling off the places and you're going, oh, well, nobody wants the rent. Jeez, I wonder why. And um, shortly after they did that, there's been an influx of investments in Florida. And that's where your Canadian investors are coming from. Yeah. People and we're having a, a hard problem here with with that exactly is foreign nations or people from foreign countries buying property. And I mean, there's nothing in our, our laws that stop it. And, yeah. And yes, it's good, but it's also bad. Like where where are the US investors gonna go once everything is flooded to the US? It's it's gonna you can't just create new land. It, it is what it is. And what, what blows my mind with uh, the governance on that is when you put in a policy that clearly doesn't work, instead of backtracking, because that would look bad for the government to backtrack on a policy and be like, hey, that did not work. 
they double down and then do another policy on top of it. So they're just going to add policy to correct another policy. And then there's going to be a loophole to that one. So they'll add another one. It's like, why don't you just take it away? And there was no problem. Like it. Yeah, exactly. Here's what happens is a lot of time when this becomes a problem, it takes a change in government and that change will say, you vote for me and I'll get rid of this. Yeah. Right. So, and unfortunately we've had the same uh, twit for the last seven years and yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, when is, is, and I apologize because I am very elementary in Canadian government. When is the election for a, a, is that a prime minister thing? Is that? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. The one I call it the twit, it's the prime minister. Yeah. What's Um, what's it? Thibodeau? Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. Um, his dad was a great prime minister, and oh, really? voted for him because of his last name. Oh. Um, and he was trying to have the same concept as his dad. I mean, because his dad was hailed like a hero. I didn't know that he was a lineage. I had no idea. Yeah. But the thing is that his dad did the same thing as, and they basically almost bankrupted Canada. But here's the point: when his dad almost bankrupted Canada. The people of Canada benefited. Hmm. He did the same thing, and everyone but Canada is benefiting. Interesting. Right? So his dad put the people first. And again, I would have When been... was his dad? When was his dad in... Is it in office? I don't know the term, so I don't want to speak... Uh, yeah, like no, I, I think it's roughly the same thing. In office, yeah. Like, well, he, he was... He was in a couple of times. He was in the seventies, early late sixties, early seventies, and I believe okay. the late seventies again. He he got a, a period in between where he was not voted for, but I don't remember the exact years. But I mean, yeah. it was roughly before I was born into and just after I was born. So okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna research. I I had no idea there was a lineage to that one. So I'm I'm curious to see how the policies line up from father to son. Yeah, the the father gave away money just the same. Spent money like it like it grew off of trees. But yeah. again, everything he implemented benefited Canada and people. The workers were getting more work and higher pay as a result of his work. Yeah. So you know it was more opportunities, and that and that's what he was creating. Um, and the thing is, people don't mind paying it back. Like, look, the reason people have a problem with taxes because they can't make any money. Yeah. So I'm going to sit there. I'm going to make a thousand dollars off to all that work. And now you want to raise my taxes by 800. So I'm only up 200. How, how's that uh, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Where in the eighties, you could go from making uh, just that thousand dollars would have been like $30,000. Uh, as an example, I was able to save 30 grand with all these opportunities. Wow. Well, yeah, we kind of overspent and need to pay it back. Can you put 10 grand back into the taxes? Well, I'm still up 20 grand. Sure. Right. Look yeah. at the difference. Yeah. Right. So like, like one way you're truly ahead and the other way you're fictitiously ahead. Yeah. So, you know, you learn the concepts, you just didn't learn how to apply them. And, yeah. and again, the problem I have with him, like not to get too far into politics, but the problem I have with him is that he broke ethics laws. And when they went after him, he took the sleaziest defense he possibly could take. He fired the people who could basically get him into trouble and they have a non-disclosure. So they have an option, break the non-disclosure and basically lose their pension and everything. Justice will be served, but they will lose everything or keep your mouth shut and keep your pension and and move on. Well, you avoided facing prosecution 
because the person would have to put themselves into trouble in order to get you convicted. Yeah. Right. Who the hell is going to speak? No one. And it's not like over here, if they got the non-disclosure, you can't force them to talk. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's one of those, like you, you basically sleazed your way out of it. So yeah. I don't have a problem with his party. I have a problem with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I, again, I'm not like those, uh, you know, lunatic uh, politics people, you know, like, no, I don't mean that. Yeah. No, I mean that. Like, no, I, I just, you know what? I have, I'm not like that. I don't like, look on a personal, personal level. I don't know him. I yeah. don't know him and neither do I care. Yeah. I just want him to leave politics. You know and that's, I mean, that's my view with every, everybody in office. I have no idea who they are personally. I don't know if I enjoy a lunch with that person. I don't know. Right. But I'm also not voting to who, who I want to have lunch with. I'm just exactly. voting for the people because I know their policies. I don't know their personalities. I don't know what makes them tick. I have no idea. All I know on paper is what they stand for and what they're going to push for. And I vote on that. That's it. And that's exactly they may my be, point, right? They Too may be the most take... annoying person in a group. I have no idea, but I know that they're for this and I like that. So I want right. that. And too many people take it personal is where I was going with it, right? Yeah. This isn't personal. It isn't about you or me. You know what I mean? And, and you take it personal and, and like, and they have vendettas against the, uh, these politicians as if it's, if it's all about them. It's mm -hmm. not. They're doing things based on their policies, based on the general policy of what they believe. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't have to agree with their belief, and maybe some of them of uh, it is stupid. And that's the whole idea of democracy, where you get to vote the, them out. And that's yeah. exactly my point, right? So it's not personal. And people yeah. are making it personal. And that's why, like, yeah, you know what? I just want the guy out of office. Get, you know, step down, move on, and then we can move forward. And the yeah. other problem I have with politics of today, and I'm going to use American terminology, but here, look, there's in our country, it's uh, there's a liberal and conservative, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's a, other, a couple other, we have a couple other parties that America doesn't have, but they never get in anyway. So it's besides the point. Yeah. I mean, so, that's like our independent and green party. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Now it's all, it's always about, you know, like liberal or conservative, which is basically like America Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. And what's happening in America is happening in Canada. It's just not as evident where the politics in America has stopped becoming about the people and it's mm -hmm. become about the Democrats over the uh, Republicans. Yeah. Right. And that's ridiculous. They have a job and the job is for the people. And that's where the focus should be. Yeah. And I do think another tone worldwide, I think society or or I'll call like the layperson has forgot that we're all owners. Like we own the government. They're all of our employees. But it's yeah. it's turned so backwards. We I have if you if you actually took into effect okay in my mind i'm the owner of the government these are my employees what do you know what did they do today what did they do yesterday what's on their docket for tomorrow we have no idea and we don't it's not like an accessible like they don't want to feed us the information cuz then that means that we're more involved which means standards are higher so it's a really weird funky scenario where we are the owners of a company that we know nothing about. Yeah, essentially. And it's not uh, working I, for our favor. Well, for some people's favor. Some people it is, some people it's not, wherever you you fall and what you're you're pushing for. Absolutely. And again, that, that's what makes it ridiculous. Look, I think America is more in trouble than anywhere else. 
America was the leading power. America was essentially the police for all the world. Whether they should have been the police for the world or not is a different yeah. argument. But yeah. that's essentially what they've been for the last, you know, we'll say last 30 years that I know of, right? And with that being said, they have been so reckless that they're losing power in other areas or gaining power, like China as an example. They're becoming the superpower the U.S. once was. Yeah. I don't think they're there yet, but I think they're on that little border and it, and it's starting to tip. And the mm -hmm. more that America destroys their value and their dollar value, the less powerful they become and the, and the more opportunity that other uh, nations get to gain that power. Yeah. And I don't think it's too late for them to change it and regain the power. I just don't think they have anybody in office that's concerned enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, like they're they're more worried about uh, bullshit policies than they're worried about what's actually going on. Yeah, I, I I get it. During the pandemic, they had to print money. During the pandemic, you know, all the things that we went through, it was going to cause high inflation. I get that, but the problem is they haven't figured. All they're doing is just adding more bandages, and the bandages are starting to fall off because they're piled too high. Mm -hmm. So it's time to actually do something. Maybe it's time to cut back on stuff. Maybe it's time to uh, slow down on uh, spending. Maybe it's time to ease off on certain things, try to catch up, try to get back, make investments within their own community that'll actually bring up their own value and bring up their own dollar and, and regain control. Stop making things about Democrats and Republicans and start making it about the country. Mm -hmm. right? Maybe now is the time to, uh, you know, Again, maybe the military is important. I've always thought, you know, we were at a stage where we could cut down on the military. And I'm starting to think now, maybe not. Maybe now is the time to beef up on that. If you're going to spend money, maybe that's the place to spend it. Not yeah. that I'm all for, you know, let's go shoot each other. But at the same time, we're becoming the weaker player financially. And we're becoming the weaker player, uh, you know, in a military standpoint as well. Yeah. So something has to be done. And we can't wait till we're the, uh, basically the second choice in life. Right. Like, yeah. so we were dominant and there's no reason why they can't be dominant going forward. They just, somebody has to, you know, stop being the wuss and, uh, you know, do take, take back control. Yeah. I wish I knew who said the quote, but there was a quote I read in a, uh, <clears throat> a book last year and it was, um, was it weak or bad times create strong men, strong men become good or create good times good time become or create weak men yeah it was something along the lines of that that was not the formal quote i just think we're at a stage where we have good we have good times like the u.s if you want something go on your phone amazon has it it'll be there in 12 hours that's a good time like that's amazing yeah we don't Absolutely. have a lot of threats our threat is starbucks is closed um our package got lost. Like those are threats in a day. We don't have threats of like tigers coming and mauling people. Like we, we don't have a lot of threats. So we start to create threats. And that's where I think our, our policies are being driven now. Not on real threats, just threats we have. And right. Like, those aren't even the important things that are going on. It's just the problems we have. And they're, I know I've, I've been told not to say it, but first world problems. That, we have first world problems. I, I agree. I agree. Now here, look, and this is where it becomes the problem, right? We've been uh, told to be politically correct. We have to be, uh, you know, tread lightly, be very sensitive. Um, 
essentially we are creating weak people. Um, you know, like some of the stuff that they're quote unquote canceling is ridiculous. And I'm not saying that it that in the way that, you know, like where it's right to, I'm not talking about like discriminating and saying discriminating mm. is a good thing, but some of the things you're canceling are canceling. Like, look, um, prime example, like, I don't know if you guys have this in the States, but there used to be a, a maple syrup called Aunt, Aunt Jemima. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Like you're canceling a maple syrup. Why? Oh, because she was around in the times of slaves. That is a bottle with a maple syrup brand name. It is not a black woman who's a slave handing you the bottle. I think they did that. I think to... it's too far, right? They've gone too far. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying that we should accept wrongs and not do anything about the wrongs, mm -hmm. but you got to put some form of context to some things, yeah. right? So, like there's a certain point where it's too much about being sensitive and not enough about policies and realities of life and yeah. and doing something that's important like that that, that needs to be done yeah bombs dropping in ukraine isn't something we should be watching changing the sticker on a maple syrup i think it has less effect yeah i think they did that to a brand where the person who started the brand put his picture on it and they're like no it's offensive he's like it's me i just i put me on the cover yeah, and that's my point. They over here they changed the name of a university because uh the guy who from 80 years ago that was a part of that revolution was named the university was named after that person. This was 80 years ago. 80 years ago that was normal. We're not accepting it today. Yeah. Like you're forgetting the good things that were done over something that was accepted 80 years. Yeah. Nobody's saying accept it today. But it's, yeah. you can't just say history doesn't exist because I canceled it. So it didn't yeah. happen. You know, like, yeah. like we need strong people. And telling people to shh and wuss down doesn't solve anything. Yeah. Right? Look at look, even look at the evolution of uh the way things are with women. Why who are women attracted to? Right? Let, let's be honest here, right? They're attracted to this is what uh, what people typically want. They want a strong person who can stand up for themselves, but they want that uh, that threat to be dormant, but they want it to be there. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that, like, nobody wants to feel insecure. So they want someone that can make them feel secure, but they don't want to see the nasty side of it. They just want to know that they're protected. Yeah. Isn't that right? like a stoic? Isn't that what, like, yeah. the stoic mantra was? Like you have the power, but having the power isn't using the power. It's knowing that you have it. You don't yes. need to use it, but you need to have it. Yes. It's like yes. a tool belt. I have my hammer on me every single day. I carry my hammer with me everywhere. I mean, what we're doing right now, there's weeks that go by that I do not use my hammer because we're just not on that stuff right now. We're on finish work. Yeah. It's not like I'm going to abandon my hammer because I don't need it anymore. I just don't need it right now. I don't lose that. So like you have to have that ability or that that sharpness in your tool belt, but use it when you need to. And that's not every day. And that, that's exactly my point, right? Like, like you want to be dangerous. You just don't want to use the dangerous side. So yeah. You want people to know that you're dangerous so that, that they have that mentality that, no, nah, I don't want to fuck with that guy. 
And you, I think what you'll find out is those people that are quote unquote dangerous are very helpful. Yes. Because when I feel secure and when people feel secure and they feel safe, they're definitely more willing to go help because they know all my eggs are in my basket. I'm, I'm good. I'm picked up. We're ready to go. And instead of what some people think they'd go like the selfish route and, and take over their own stuff, I, I do believe, and I hope I'm right, that humans are more likely to help at that point than run and just be their selfish nature as, as humans yeah. are. But and that's the thing, right? Humanity. This is the thing, right? And here's the problem. Like everything, there's always one or two rotten apples, and mm -hmm. everyone will use those one or two rotten apples and try to make that as if that's the norm, right? Like, like take police officers, right? You have that whole defund the police movement, mm -hmm. right? Which was absolutely ridiculous. Was that up in Canada? Oh, it was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the point I'm getting at here is the fact that, yes, there is a small percentage of them that are effing rotten, mm -hmm. right? And those ones should be crucified because they were giving a position of authority that were there to help people and they mm -hmm. abuse it. And those people should be punished twice as much as the as as the normal person. But look at the 97% that are decent doing their job, and maybe they're going into places scared because of everything that's happened. Like mm -hmm. any police officer that goes around saying, I, you know, I fly and I run into flying bullets and I'm not scared, is full of shit. Right. Yeah. So you're asking them when bullets are flying, you're saying, why aren't they there? Then when they're here, shame on them. Right? Like, which one do you want? So it's it, it, again, I think everything has gone too far and we need a little pullback. What happens is technology's made it almost like revenge of the nerds, you know, like we got, got all the, uh, you know, keyboard warriors, you know, being all yeah. strong and powerful. But then when you go in front of them and say, repeat what you said, well, I didn't say that. Oh, somebody must yeah. be on my computer. Really? You know, yeah. like now they're not so strong now. Now, now, now they're not tough, dangerous people. You know, like, and I'm not saying that bullying is okay. I don't mean that either. Bullying is not okay. But there's got to be life beyond the keyboard. And, and, and we can't exactly be submissive to being a wuss and calling that good. Yeah. And what was, what's kind of weird to think about in our time, in my timeline, I've seen first responders be on the top of the totem pole. I mean, I... September 11th, like we were pride, we were flags, we were patriots. It was, it was everything. And just last year, they were the bottom. They were hated. They were the worst things ever. They, they have no place in our society anymore. And it was like, wow, we have forgotten in a decade. And it was just a, a weird swing to sit back. Cause when September 11th happened, I was 11, I think. So it, maybe 12. It's been, I was only a kid, so I didn't really fully understand the situation that was going on, but I do know the the feelings that I had and police officers and firefighters were like hailed as Kings. And just last year they were peasants. It was weird. Yeah. It was a very weird switch. I agree. In and such a short time. Right. Because what happens is we're taking social opinion and opinion that, that we're taking are coming from but the socially. But socially, they had the opinion of putting him at the top of the totem pole. Like, yes, the media did what they did, but the people were behind it. Yeah. It no, was no, weird. My, my point is, where I'm saying the social is, social has changed. The people who have no, no voice in the past 
now have the strongest voice. Mm-hmm. And it's a small few. And it's a very small few. And what happens is the people that are going to attack them, as an example, as an example, and again, there's always exceptions. I'm, I'm talking about the majority, not the minority. The majority that are attacking are people, like if somebody's going to say defund the police, so I hate the police. Well, good. Not all of them. Some of them genuinely are angry. But mm-hmm. there's a good chunk of them that are criminals that have been arrested by them. Of course, you're going to hate them. They put you behind bars. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's not it's not a shocking surprise. Yeah. If I come to your house and I keep punching you in the nose, and then somebody says, what do you think of John? You're not going to say, oh, he's my best friend. I get punched every day. I love it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like that's, that's just normal. Yeah. Right? Now, did you pull me over because... Uh, uh, you, you know, you don't because I'm Spanish or I'm black or I'm whatever. No, I pulled you over because you're speeding, mm-hmm. right? Again, there are exceptions where it's bad. I'm not saying there isn't. Yeah. And, and and that's I, a one beautiful thing of social media because that stuff comes out. Yes, like, there's no hiding from that now. And I think that stuff should be taken more serious than it is. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I believe if someone is done wrong, they should fry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, especially in that when they're in that position, they know better. I mean, that's the that's what makes the society complete is knowing that there's order, there's rules yeah. to the the land that we're all trying to cohabitate. So follow those rules, and we'll all cohabitate. If you don't follow the yes. rules, like unfortunately, it just doesn't work with what we're trying to do here. I um, agree with you, and that's where I'm saying the front. The point is, it's the only one side is being viewed, where we used to look at both sides. Mm-hmm. That's where I was trying to get to. Yeah. I could have said it in yeah. one sentence. And but... only only time will tell with that stuff. It's we're we're in the, the impasse right here. So we'll see where it all goes in the future. And obviously with that stuff, obviously we're gonna have some social changes and and obviously we'll have some financial changes, which is the investment stuff we were talking about before. Um before we went on the political. But it was a Thanksgiving Day show. And if you were at Thanksgiving dinner and didn't get your political talk in. You listen to the show and you got it. So I think Here we, we go. Be fed the need of it needed to be political talk over Thanksgiving. Of course, it of had course. to. Yeah, politics and turkey. What a way! <laughs> they are. It is peanut butter and jelly. Has exactly. to go together. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm excited. I know we're at an hour, um, but just like every show, we could probably take three hours. Um, we are going to have you back on because I want to see where the investment comes, where that where that goes, where you take it. Absolutely. So we'll definitely have you back on. Um, good luck on the journey with the investments. Uh, if you do make it into the U.S., let me know. I will. Let I will me know definitely. where you're going. Absolutely, man. Awesome. All right. Sure. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Have a good uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, enjoy the last, I guess, couple of days, months in your house. Yeah, hopefully, like hopefully, like I haven't gotten an offer. It's only been listed three weeks now. And uh, okay. yeah, but I mean, there's been steady showing. So hopeful, Good. I'm hopeful. My my goal is to have Christmas here and then be yeah. packed and out by the uh, new year. Nice. Well, congrats. I'm looking forward to big changes uh, and we'll talk soon. For sure. Thanks so much, man. All righty. See ya. Ciao.